Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. Happy anniversary to producer Corey. He's not here right now, but he's here in spirit. And what I've done is I've decided to bring in another heavy hitter. You've known him. You've seen him. He's been on the show before. He's a recurring guest at this point. Uh, we've got Brian versus the books. Brian, how you doing today? Can you say recurring guest after one appearance? I don't know that's true. <laughs> I actually was funny because when you asked me to hop on later today, uh, I figured Corey would be here. That's the only reason I hopped in and then was severely disappointed. So bamboozled. I couldn't back down now. I know. But, uh, you know, sorry to disappoint. But, you know, he he obviously had other commitments that were a little bit more important than us. <laughs> my, my my favorite thing to do in the gambling space is that when anyone on like gambling Twitter says they're taking a day off or they have no picks for like anniversary or you know, a vacation or this or that, I immediately make jokes with them. But then when I need a break, I'll tweet it out and they get really defensive if someone makes a joke about me. So it's it's a definition of a double standard. Uh, I mean, you were just on vacation and you were still firing picks off. I was. I, mean, I, I didn't. And you know, it's funny. That's that's the that's what the true greats do. They, they work in silence. They don't, you know, I wasn't making tweets saying, oh, look at me taking time for my, no, you just, Put your head down, you do your picks, and if you suck, you'll make excuses. If you're good, you just shut the hell up and hope no one realizes, and then you go in a horrible downfall. That's that's the key. Yeah, I mean, we're just starting to set alarms at like four in the morning uh, to check out lines, and like you'll just see things populate in our app saying like, oh, like I just took the Mystics plus four and a half at four in the morning this today, because that's when the lines opened up. So I do like that pick, though, for game one against the Storm. Uh, but we'll we can we don't need to make this a WNBA podcast. <laughs> I mean, you you always send me your WNBA podcast, your WNBA picks, and I, I, uh, I'm a, I I entertain them. I don't I don't I don't know. I can't. I'm not the guy that can bet on things I don't know about. Like if I I can check or I can do like the sports I know about, but I I just can't be the guy that has like a Russian table tennis thing in and they oh, go to no. bed hoping like they go to bed hoping it hits. Like if I don't necessarily understand what i'm betting i have a hard time doing it so no, i'll leave that to you guys like you for the, for the I think, WNBA. i think that that's a fair point because i i really try not to bet things that i don't really know anything about and i've been paying a little bit more attention to the w uh this season so i, I feel confident in that in that spot and the lines so, starting to move with us so is that what they call it the w the w is that what you call it, or do other people say that that's a, that's a thing people call it the w it sounds like the Ohio State University. It pisses me off when they always to say the like that. Like that drives me nuts. Or like, or, or like, like at, least the, at least the U is cool. Like for like you know the U is is a cool like like whatever. But the Ohio State, it just it's enough. One like enough. Yeah. Buckeye off. So uh, look. So talking about things that we do know uh, a lot about. You obviously have just cornered a PPD market in terms of pitching props, especially with strikeouts. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to talk about is at this point in the season, we have like a really big sample size in terms of hit rate um, where, you know, how teams are going or where they are positioned in the standings. Are they contenders? Are they tanking at this point? Or, you know, or do they have a fringe or outside chance of the playoffs? One of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, how are you using that to kind of take advantage? Uh, first, I guess, motivation. Can you use that to your advantage with PPDs, or do you think that that's already kind of baked into the line? So, yeah, it is kind of funny that I did not plan on being the player before and solo guy this season in MLB, but it's been my main market. And 
I don't know how exactly it happened, uh, but here we are. And I think this is a time where PPD markets and player performance markets can also heat up a bit. And I did um, prepare something. For, for once, I came on a show and I <laughs> didn't just, I actually have things written down. Uh, and Tell us more. I, I've talked about this before with a prophet guy who's also at Action Network. And we like last year, Funnily enough, last year in the MLB season, I transitioned more to PPDs at the end of the year. Uh, this season, I kind of stayed with them for the last two months about. Uh, but when you look into certain markets, as you mentioned with MLB, MLB has so many games. 162 games is a lot of games. And when you ex- get roster expanded, especially in uh, September, or you are in the position where you're just not contending, and it's quite clear at this point who is in a spot to contend, who is not. Yeah. And you it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily like NBA when you have a hardcore Sam Hankey level tanking. But it's not the if, same. If you have a team and you're not contending, you're not gonna you know on a on a daily basis, you might not start that 38-year-old uh big bat if you have you know a second baseman you just brought up and you want to give them some experience. Because a lot of the guys that you know, end up being good or have that in their arsenal, they get these chances when they're, you know, their rosters expand or later in the year when you're not really contending. Yeah. Uh, so I bring this up because last season, if you go by last season, uh, the bottom teams, the bottom seven teams, I use seven because I think it's a good sample size. It's not necessarily 10 because I think those like bottom 10 teams, you have like there's nine, eight guys that are about 500 out the year. That yeah. bottom seven, you're you're going to be seeing, you know, win rates at like 40%. Like the uh, bad, bad teams. Yeah. yeah. Like, so out of the bottom seven teams last year uh, in the MLB, all of them, so five of the seven had worse records in the second half of the year over the, than the first half. And it's not a split of, I didn't do a split of 80 and 80. It's uh mostly it's the all star break because you're you sometimes you have front loaded games and last year they Fair. did uh so yeah so I mean an example here is the Washington Nationals were kind of, well now they're buns but last year they were they had a forty seven percent win rate in the first half of the season so around that Mendoza five hundred line yeah uh, second of the season their win percentage was thirty one and a half percent. So that is a that that's is, actually that's bad. That's that is bad. a sharp decrease. So some of them aren't as you know that sharp. Like Texas was thirty nine percent win rate in the first half, uh, thirty five in the second half. So that's a smaller decrease. But you know another one, Chicago Cubs, uh, another team where those are the teams we want to identify as well because they were another team that was forty nine percent win rate in the first half, uh, thirty eight in the second half. So. Yeah. Those are the kind of teams that you – when you, they start playing those younger guys or they reach that point of 500, 500, and then at that point being 500 doesn't matter anymore with 30 games left in the season. So there's no real reason to contend at 500. You're not going to no. – like in MLB, you're not going to be a heavy contender if you're staying 500 and playing that average, you know. Like the White yeah. Sox, fun fact, the White Sox are 500, I think – like they're almost exactly Probably. 500. Like yeah. you no, know, like right now they are. But I mean, like they were like 50 and 50 in the last 100 games. Um, and I think like since like 1980 something, like they're like always 500. It's crazy. And that's what you not you don't want to be like that in MLB. So there is this point where I think PPDs become you know more valuable 
because you can get the strikeouts against the younger guys because usually people that are, you know, getting that first MLB experience, they're going to have trouble seeing those, you know, those elite guys. So the books would um, probably adjust a little bit because they're, they also aren't dumb. But you start seeing these higher strikeout guys dominate and you start seeing these teams that are not in a contention start dropping down. Yes. So it's – I bring this up as well because the worst two teams in the league last year – were the Diamondbacks and the Orioles. So they're the actual, they're the two teams that had a better record in the second half of the year than the first out of those seven teams. But in the last 30 games, they won eight of 33. So okay. they had to go. So, like, even though that larger sample size was better than the first half, that like last 30 games, they just trailed the hell off and they really had a 24% win rate in those last 33 games. No, and I think that that's important that you point that out because there's other things too. I mean, like if you're, like you said, there's going to be certain guys that maybe get to to rest a little bit. And I think one of the players we're seeing that starting to happen with now um, is Shohei Otani. So obviously he's in contention for the American League MVP award. Granted, like I don't really think it should be a contest. Like I think it should just be Aaron Judge. Uh, And that's not really even me being that much of a homer. Um, But regardless of that yeah i mean it looks like they're like really limiting what he's what he's going out there and doing like in terms of his innings it's just like he's not yeah i I mean that that is an example too his last start he went six innings but he had a shutout six innings and they 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 pulled him uh and yeah like that's what i kind of mean is you know obviously this will come out wednesday so we're we're gonna look like idiots if we get this wrong (laughs) but the pick i had today in my article was i took um I took the Mariners. I took the Mariners performance double because uh, first off, Luis Castillo is insanely good this year, and he's great. Yeah, he's been one of the best. I think people don't realize how good he's been. I mentioned that in the article. He's only had one start this whole year where he's allowed over four. I mean, four or more earned runs, and it was exactly four. So he's had that three or under earned runs in every single start but one. He's been phenomenal. So this is a case where it was actually the. Angels opened up as favorites and then they actually shifted off favorites. They're no longer favorites, but uh, that, it's just a line where I don't see the Angels having as much to play for than the Mariners do in their position. Uh, and Shoei Tano is a guy where he is as talent. He's a once in generation talent. He is insane. Like He's this guy free. is, like, I mean, you're never going to see a player like him again. I don't think he will. I don't think there'd be I don't think people will, will allow that too. And that's where it comes into where his limits of innings is that they're not in contention. The Angels are near the basement of the league. Um Trout's been hurt all year. There's no reason for them to let this guy throw hundred miles an hour for a hundred pitches. Like no. it's just not it's not gonna be worth it for him to hurt his longevity of his career uh to go out there. So so does despite how good he is, and that also I mentioned the article as well. If you go even money and like even line there with these two pitchers, I don't have necessarily an edge because they're both fantastic. But given the scenario and the offense that the Angels have, I just didn't expect them to be favorites. And the fact that they were favorites, uh, I think the market adjusted to that. But when you get that in early, uh, I got to Castellos. I uh, was at six strikeouts and a win. It was Dan. It was dang near. Um, like plus 150. It was a great price. And if I lose, I lose. But that's a situation where you're hoping to attack these things where the Angels haven't, I mean, they're, they have nothing to play for. 
I don't think – I think Otani is at a sharp six-inning limit no matter what. He could be pitching a gem. And bullpen battle, I'll get the edge to Seattle. So it's just like stuff like that where you can try to find these situations where these teams start to pull back a little bit. Yeah, I think kind of what we're looking at too is, you know, I'm trying to run this system right now, but uh, to see like if, you know, if you have teams that are kind of like more in contention, then in this spot, like they're going to be the ones that are really trying to bulldoze you and take that easy win and, you know, really capitalize on the situation. Like there aren't going to, they aren't going to have the same type of pitching limits, except for maybe a guy like Spencer Strider, who's a rookie and then maybe yeah. they're like, look, like we're making the playoffs, like we need him later. So yeah. that's that's an angle to kind of look at too. Yeah. Um, but hold on, let me. Pa- I'm going to pause this real quick. All right, so I just ran a system with Bet Labs, so you can get that through Action Network. But what I did was to kind of go off of what Brian was saying. We ran a system for big money line favorites in August, September, and October, where their winning percentage is sixty percent or greater and their opponent has a winning percentage of 40% or less. Since 2003, those teams are 163 and 54 straight up. So that's a 4.3% ROI. But now when you couple it with what Brian likes to do with these PPD markets, with the pitcher strikeouts, you're not paying that minus 200 anymore. So you're getting a you're getting a system that's hitting at like a pretty impressive rate, honestly. And, you know, at you know 71 75% of the time that's exceptional and you can kind of look at that and say like okay now where can i find some good strikeout value is this a good matchup so this might be a way kind of coupling what you're saying like it it really does give credence to the fact that these big favorites are winning in these spots yeah and that's partly where i came into play with the ppd market this year is uh i've i think there's a lot of people out there that are having trouble that are usually decently good at the strikeout market and i was one of those people that was killing it last year hit a snag for about a week and that's when i found success with ppds is that you cut out the juice and it's not a perfect system but if you have a minus 200 favorite and your pitcher goes out there and throws his seven strikeouts it is you would hope it is likely that they pitch well enough for his team to win because they're already minus 200 to win the game and, um, I mean, unless their starter, like, that should be, you know, dominating, unless they blow up like a Garrett Cole situation, uh, you'd hope that your team would be good enough to get them the run support to win if they hit that strikeout line. Exactly. And, I mean, like, I'm looking – I even narrowed this down even a little bit more to the last five years, and this is now 114 and 31. So that's, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And then even this year, it's already seven and two. Last year was 21 and one. So, I mean, like these are, this is like a really good angle that I think we can t- try to take advantage of. It's like, if you find a prop market where, where, you know, it's like, if you lower that PPD so that you can maybe get like a slightly better angle that or slightly better price. Um, Cause you're really, it's not so much that you're looking to bet the the strikeout prop like you are, but you're really just trying to get the money line down to a more actionable price. Is like in, that's the way I look at this anyway. Yeah. So I mean, that's the other thing is where what I try to reiterate to people is that uh I don't everyone knows I'm a straight better than most part, but player performance doubles are at the heart of it. They're a parlay. Uh and that's where you come into play where you know, for me, the have that has his own like strikeout model, and I try to project it for people's strikeouts. Uh, I 
try to let people know that it's less of me being lazy and just saying like, oh, the Yankees are good. I'll take them to win. And this guy, like, it's less of that. And it's more of like the, uh, like I said, this, this is all going to be horrible if the Angels win like 17 nothing today. But the idea with Costello and uh, the Angels and the Mariners play I have today is it took him 6-0 win. He has six strikeouts in 12 of his last 13 outings. He's playing dominant baseball. The Angels are a team that are hitting 213 against righties since July 1st. They also have a 28% strikeout rate, which is the highest in the league. Uh, the only way they do damage is that they put the ball in play. So if they're getting shut down today, it's mostly because they are just whiffing. So if he gets that six strikeout mark, I would hope that means he's having a good he's having a good game. So I get that plus 145 price for a prop. You know, if you just took the money line, they're like minus 116 right now. Yeah, so that's, that's, I mean, it swung all the way too because it opened at like, I think, plus 120. Yeah. So, you know, it's – I think you're, you're able to get a better price even as the line maybe moves just because yeah. of the combination. And I think that that's one of the things that's really important too. The strikeouts are obviously correlated with – a win because you you assume at least for most pitchers you assume that like they're if they're striking guys out they're pitching longer they're they're seeing a lot more batters and you know they're missing bats um yeah with and especially I, with I these think, higher strikeout guys i think there is something to be said about the pitcher you're riding because there is a lot of guys in this league that can go forever and just not like they don't work on the strikeout like no. angle. like like adam Wainwright's a guy where He's not necessarily a strikeout king. He's never really been. He's been a ground out pitcher. But I've played his player performance levels because, like, him and Johnny Quaid are the two guys that they just eat up innings. And the only way Adam Rainwright sometimes doesn't hit these two, I mean, these three strikeouts or four strikeout games is the only way you can, you know, feasibly see that is if he gets hit around and he said he only goes, like, four or five innings rather than his normal seven. So if yeah. he goes his full seven – like he usually goes six or seven innings, and even the lower strikeout guys, if they're pitching effectively and they see that many batters, you know, a 13 or 15% strikeout rate isn't good. But if you see seven innings with the batters, that, that adds up. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a good point. Because especially when you're looking at these teams, like there, there usually are a few strikeout targets. And I think this is another question that I wanted to touch on here. I will be you, playing, not to cut you off, but you mentioned it, I will be playing a lot of PPDs against the Nationals with Luke Voigt and that new team. Uh, Blake Snell yesterday had 10 strikeouts against his team, and you mentioned strikeout um, targets. Voigt's first two at-bats against Snell, he had like seven pitches with two strikeouts like right away. So yeah. that th- that's – I think all of the system stuff comes with context, and that's a, a big thing. So you can keep going. I just – No, that was exactly the question I was going to ask you. Like are yeah. there any teams that you like are really targeting? Like obviously the Pirates versus I think it's lefties, um, you know, they like really struggle there. And, you know, like the Nationals are just absolute buns right now. But there are, I think that that's one of the other things. It's like, even if you're playing against a really good, like an excellent team, like let's say you're playing like the Dodgers the or the Yankees actually are a good example because the Yankees strike out a decent amount of time. They have a I decent missed, amount of I miss Joey part. Gallo. I miss yeah. Joey Gallo for him. So Gallo's not there, but if you see Gallo maybe starting for the Dodgers, then that's an opportunity to maybe jump on a line for a pitcher because like he is going to strike out two times. It's just, it's what he does. 
So it's a good opportunity to kind of fade certain lineups, not so much the team necessarily that they're playing against. Yeah, and the reason I mentioned the Nationals is because they're a team that I've already kind of attacked. Uh, Chris Bassett let me know, but other than that player performance level, I've had good success um, attacking them with certain matchups, uh, like Ranger Suarez, because they don't have great splits against lefties. Uh, Blake Snell, same thing. Uh, they're a team, too, where they traded their two biggest bats, and they are known around the league for being a stingy team, but this does not strike out. I mean, they've been like one of those teams you just don't touch for strikeouts for however long. Like, they've always had that. They're a top three strikeout team in the league. Like, they very rarely would, would you know, whiff on those uh, at bats. But now that they have these guys, if I were to read you their lineup some days, you wouldn't even, you know. You just don't I mean, know who don't they know, even are. I mean, I don't really know. I don't know if you know who Alex Call is, but that that was their leadoff batter yesterday. I think he struck out twice, but that's why I took this Blake Snell prop. And I think I told you this. I used a free bet on 10 and a win at like plus 400. It's a nice little play there. Yeah, and it hit. But it's just one of those things where not only was Alex Call starting and Luke Voigt starting – they were in the first and second, first and third parts of the lineup. So yeah, not only they're starting that you're going to see three at t- they're going to see them three times. Because- yeah, because they're going to if they even if they don't pitch deep, yeah, like, you're going to see these guys for three at bats. It's a great opportunity to kind of get a couple extra strikeouts. There. It's kind of like the Phillies with Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber's having a great year in terms of home runs, but he's he either hits it forty hundred feet or he strikes out. Kyle Schwarber is a leadoff batter. Like you're like if you have a starter, like there's times I actually want to t- target the Phillies for unders, and then I just sit there knowing that Schwarber is going to be in that leadoff spot and he's going to hit a home run right away time. immediately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or he strikes out three times and he ruins your under. It's just one of those things where if you have these guys that are high K pro- prone guys, you could just pound that matchup. I mean, I, I, I we should I honestly should just start taking a MGM used to have strikeout props for the first inning. I should just take whoever's playing the Phillies for over point. That's actually awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think that's going to be like a new thing too. Like in, I think that's like what the Paul brothers are doing. It's like these like micro betting type of things. I think DraftKings has it like a little bit, but that seems yeah. to be where they're trying to go in this type it's, of market. That kind of like first strikeout market, first inning thing. That's one of those markets where I feel it will get really niche. And I think the people that are sharp, will love it and they'll be able to take advantage of it. But overall the books could clean up on it because people like first baskets. It's going to be mostly degenerates. Yeah. yeah, Like, like first baskets. Sure. There's NBA first basket. And there's some guys that have these great systems to predict that. And they have profit with them for the most part. It's just a bunch of people losing a ton of money on these props that are fun and quick. I mean, that's why Nerfy is such a big bet in the, in the community is because it's, Six outs, you know right away. Instant gratification. It's a drug. Um, you know, I I usually don't get my drugs from you know the first inning. I usually just go on the streets it's of slow. Philadelphia. I just it's go slow the, IV. I, I usually <laughs> just walk around the streets of Philadelphia until I see or find something um, laying on the ground. I but uh <laughs> yeah, so it's one of those things where that's a market where I could see becoming a a bigger thing at some point. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. With that, I, I want to wrap up our MLB discussion here and I want to switch back over to another sport, different shaped ball. But we are going to be talking about the NFL here. Um, the ball is now in your court. I'm not the biggest NFL better. I will play some spreads, some money lines. Uh, I like the Bills this year and the Ravens. 
But on a different note, I know that the prop market moves dramatically, uh, especially for NFL props. And the and it's like they can they can swing so fast at just at the drop. And yeah. since there's only like the one game each week, you know, for each team, obviously, sample sizes are a little bit wonky. I, I think it's a little bit tougher to grab the right lines. What what's your strategy with betting NFL? Like, or do you have any markets that you try to just stick to kind of like how you do an NBA? So, yeah, I've always said this, that I don't necessarily stick to one market, except for baseball. Baseball is different. I always just stick to strikeouts, but like an NBA, like people are like, Oh, what's your favorite, you know, things like, like props to bet. I didn't like betting assists, but at the same time, if I saw a value in an assist line, I wouldn't sit there and say, Oh, not playing that. So it's, I, I wouldn't say there's any market I love over any over others in terms of that i won't play it but uh someone did ask on the uh, on like the uh, tweet we had earlier about the favorite market i have in nfl so strikeouts for mlb for nfl it really is it's receptions it's receptions for wide receivers that's that's the okay i like the most and it's also because i'm a simple uh simple man that has a very small brain so like strikeout props i like the idea of the smaller amounts of props overall and it's like you know you need you need strikeouts so it's you know one or two or three and a half line four and a half line i like receptions because you either need five catchers or you don't it's it's very cut and dry it's about hooks though brian well there's no hooks in that market (laughs) but like you're never gonna see a reception line lose because Dalvin Cook has a negative five yard run at the end of the game to yeah. try to like preserve, preserve time. Uh that was a heartbreaking one because I was actually on that one. Same with um same with uh carries like running running back carries yeah or, or quarterback rushes stuff like that. I just like the idea that it's very cut and dry. You either get it or you don't and it's not a yardage prop where you can have certain wonky things or certain this or that and or like sometimes a guy's a bad game or there's just different things where in football it's such a change of pace anything can happen dramatically at any point so if i take a guy a running back that's not really involved in the offense i don't like him in the game plan because football is all about knowing the team's game plan or trying to project or predict the team's game plan like there was a time where the bills with devin singletary or zach moss where you can see the team fading out one guy or the other if they have a two running back back system, or you can see a wide receiver that's struggling, going through mental things, and like he's getting phased out a little bit. But what you can't predict is that if you take a guy, say, under eight and a half carries, or his his uh, rushing yards prop is 44 yeah. and a half, you can predict that maybe he gets six carries and he's not really involved in the offense. You can't predict the first play of the game when he breaks a tackle and runs 88 yards for a touchdown. Like That's exactly. kind of – that's the kind of stuff where there was a time where I predicted Cooper. I I, I played a Cooper Cup under against the oh. Cardinals this year because the Cardinals had a, a they have good linebacking to help with the inside help and they had good. They, it was a good analysis. I really liked it. And the it would the the you mar, you talked about the uh, lines moving. The line from open moved nine yards, and it's it was significant. The, That's about a reception. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like an eighty. And it was eighty. It was ninety and a half you know, uh, yardage. He got a lot of catches. He was involved, 
But they like as I mentioned in my write up, it was just a lot of short dinkier stuff. They didn't let him break many big plays. It was like it, and everything was going right. And then you talk about yardage props. The last like the fourth quarter, Rams are winning. They just need to run the clock. So all I need is for him just to not get like forty yards. And then a third down, they did a fake handoff and. Because they bit on the inside bomb. hand, yeah, they were like he had like a fifty yard reception. I lost by three yards. Yeah, so it's like it's one of those things where you can, like I said, you can project, or you can try to try to predict the looks they'll get. Because like some of these guys for receptions, I'll take. Like I took Jalen Rager over receptions a few times, and Jalen Rager's ass for the He's Eagles. Bad. He's bad. He's bad. But there was a time where they were trying to get him involved by throwing him little bubble screens and stuff. So it's one of those things where you can. Pre- try to project or predict how involved the guy will be, but you necessarily, you don't always know exactly how they'll do with that volume. Yeah. Like, and I like that about the attempts and like that conversation, because I wish that they had that in other sports, yes. because even in baseball, like you don't have, there's no pitches prop, like, like over under a certain amount of pitches. That would be a fascinating one. Prize picks has that. And I wish, oh, they I, do? Had, I, wish I had that market. Yeah. So, what I will say to someone like you that I know is a big NBA guy and they're not really NFL for their betting is it's like, imagine um, with reception props and with rushing attempts, imagine if the NBA bookmakers came out with a field goal attempts prop. That would be, it. yeah, I'd that'd be, that'd be an awesome market because you know, Julius Randle is not scoring 22 points. Is he taking 48 shots? You're damn right. Probably. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah yeah. i like that market because it's like you you get an opportunity to to formulate a game plan and i think that those numbers are a lot more consistent you know it's like you might see a line that's maybe like oh it's like this is a you know a touch higher literally like one touch higher yeah if you're looking at the game plan or your handicap you're like well they should be winning so you know they should he should be getting more rushing attempts this game yeah so because i've done that before with guys like Joe Mixon or some other guys where I remember distinctly that you, you know, obviously you want to get more, um, you know, carries. And that's part of what I do is there's sometimes in my carries props, people will text me that they look so off base. They look like they're going to miss horribly. And then you'll see a guy get six carries at the last drive yeah. alone yeah. because you have three minutes and you get, if he just gets that one first down, you know, he's going to get it. Another yeah. three. Yeah, he's yeah. another three. So I, I think that that's an important distinction. And I think that that's a way because we a lot of times we bet on performance and like we bet on, you know, yeah. we're backing people to perform. But in that, that type of instance, it's like, no, like not really. You're really more or less betting on the game itself. You're betting on game plan. You're betting on like a bigger yeah. scheme type of type of law. And obviously performance is helpful because if you take a guy over 18 and a half carries and he has three carries, say he has five carries for negative eight yards. I don't think the coach is going to say, let's keep giving it to Johnson over there. Uh, yeah. So uh, the way I, like I said, the way I brought it up uh, to you is my best way to describe it because in NBA, if you take someone's points, you're hoping they get the volume and they, so it's like a two leg for NBA. You need the volume and you need the performance. If you take, a rushing prop in NFL, you don't necessarily need any performance. You need just the volume, which is yeah. different from NBA where sure you nailed that analysis. You see, he took 14 shots. You just needed eight points, but he shot one for seven from the, from the three point line. So it's one of those things yeah. where it's a cool market. And I think the only thing that also sucks with it is that it, you mentioned hooks. Cause I always say that with strikeout props, everybody knows 
that I'm a big believer that like I don't think this hooks to check out props. It's the point <laughs> the point five matters so much, but like baseball, you wait three hours, two hours for a game just to be heartbroken if they don't hit that last one. Yeah. Same thing with NFL, like yardage props. You kind of feel like there's hope the whole time. Like, Oh, maybe he'll do this like crazy play. Yeah. Yeah. If you have a guy that you have over five and a half and you wait the whole game and he ends at five and it's just like a slow burn and he drops his last pass that would have cashed on the last drive. Yeah. Like it does get in that, you know, but um, I'm usually depressed in my life outside of everything else so like i just i bring that same energy, energy into my sports betting yeah yeah i mean i think it's important to know too like what one of the decisions that i'm sure you make with your projections and it's something that i do uh more so for nba than anything and mlb to a certain extent but the the lines are obviously tied to probability so like when you see yeah, exactly. a number it's tied it's tied to a, a reasonable expectation that this is going to happen and like that's what the number infers but yeah. when i think what's interesting is that sometimes people are like oh well like oh, you have to get this number and like they don't care about the juice and i'm like well like that's not really true though because like sometimes i'd rather have the number move based on my projection like it's available to me if yeah. it goes from say like 50 yards to 55 yards i'd rather have the 55 at a better number because yeah, of my projections or like what i think is going to happen and, and, and i think that that's not something that's looked at enough yeah and just like an nba uh like i say if if i'm taking um if i'm taking you know joe and bead over 29 and a half points and it moves to 30 and a half it's it's a lot different than if i took like Landry Shamit over five and a half points over six and a half. Yeah, it's like, it's a, it's yeah. a huge percentage. Or let's go, yeah. let's go, let's go. Robert Covington, that was the king of staying oh. at six points every Two three game. Is six points. Yeah. So that's that's where it comes down to. Where just like that, if I take a quarterback, so I, I'm bringing some anecdotes into this, which is like now what I plan to do. But <laughs> Davis Davis Mills, long neck long neck Mills from the Houston Texans. The biggest heartbreak, I, the biggest heartbreak of my NFL season was I took Davis Mills under three and a half rushing yards one game. Oh, <laughs> and he had zero rushes. And like like I said, once again, analysis on point. Everything was fine. They they had the linebacker. Like I was watching the game, the linebacking core was doing exactly what I thought on the dropbacks. He had zero rushes the entire game. Yeah, and then they were down. I think I don't know the exact score, but I want to guesstimate. I think the Texans were down 93 to negative four. It was something like that along those lines. They were getting murdered. And last drive of the game, I mean, I'm telling you, Joe, there was five seconds left in the game. Last play, they did like rushed it just to get it off because like for pride. And it ended up being like a four-yard scramble. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it was the last play because I remember thinking I turned off the game because it was a red zone. Oh yeah, zone. of course. Yeah, and I and I just kind of because I thought that was in the game. There was like a timing thing that got out of bounds, and then somehow I I like checked the box score and I was like, wait, what? And I saw the play by play, four yard rush, last play of the game. Dude, that's so, like the the worst bet. The worst beat I ever had with that was that Mahomes Super Bowl rushing yards one. You were on that. That was yeah. That was that, crazy. That was that, bad. <laughs> that one. Hurt. That's 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 when you that's that's when. You, that's one of those bad beats where you start to think, holy shit, maybe those conspiracy guys have something to it. Cause, yeah. <laughs> cause, cause, and everyone's defending, like, no, like, 
he's just wasting time. Like, yeah, you can waste time without without running. You didn't need yards to do that, bro. Like, yeah. you didn't need to. <laughs> like, you could you could have stood still and wasted time. You didn't have to go that far back. Like, yeah, it's like he knew exactly how far back to run. <laughs> but yeah, um, that 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 was the same. That was the Niners Super Bowl. That was that that was how I started betting. That was yeah. my that was yeah. my that was my ten. That was my plus. Was it plus twenty seven thousand odds hit? Biggest hit I've ever had. That's fucking but, awesome. And that's and then, when I was like, I was like, yeah, this is what I'm gonna do all the time now. <laughs> just been chasing the dragon with your like plus one twenty points. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll get there, I'll get there eventually. I remember that. That was that was hilarious because I drove to PA because I was in Maryland because that's where okay. the school. So I had to drive to place my bet. And my girlfriend was like, This is so stupid. Why are we doing this? And I was like, Boom, we won two grand off like 10 bucks. How do you feel now? <laughs> Um, and she's like how much do i get yeah and she got nothing she made fun of me no uh actually i used that money to take us to the bahamas so we oh, actually well, so she she appreciated this whole thing that's a, yeah, that's that a was, win then it was a uh, patrick mahomes to score a touchdown kyle you the fullback for the niners score a touchdown chiefs minus two and a half and the under of the game and what I got a, made. Fun. What a ridiculous parlay <laughs> i got made fun of because i don't i don't know if a fullback has scored in the Super Bowl in the last 40 years, but it, it seems like it's not many. His no. odds, his odds of score were his odds of score were like ridiculous. And I just remember we were watching my apartment, and everybody was, you know, making fun of me because I was like, Yeah, I put this in. I think there's and I was like, I mean, it was my first ever like legal sports bet. Like I didn't really I didn't really sports bet. I just like I was a fantasy guy. Yeah. And I did like daily fantasy, but like not, not really like spending sports. Yeah. yeah. And first two touchdowns of the game, like back-to-back, was Mahomes rushing touchdown, and then the next drive, Juszczyk had like a 30-yard reception for a touchdown. And I – everyone quickly went from like, just – oh, oh, wow, okay. like, like you listen to this guy? <laughs> no, not even that. It was just like a – it was a pipe dream, and then the two hardest legs hit back-to-back where they both ran in for touchdowns, and everyone went from like, oh, this is never going to happen, to, oh, wow, he got that pretty quickly. Uh, I wonder – and then the rest of the game, it just turned into a rooting party against for the parlay. No one else really cared about the game. Hey, you do what you got to do. And, like, honestly, the half the time when I'm watching sports, I'm just rooting for whatever my play is. Like, I don't necessarily care what the outcome yeah. is at this point. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, that that just is the way of the world at this point anyway. So Yeah, so so that long kind of story was honestly just to bring up the point that in terms of yardage or, like, juice and this and that, those lower volume guys, it means so much more. It really does. Like, like I remember saying to that Davis Mills prop, it was a matter of, I said like, Oh, if it dips to two and a half, don't take it. And yeah. people were like, Oh really? And I'm like, I wouldn't take it. And obviously it ended up being like four yards. So I yeah, lost but it moved like 33%. Like it would have moved yeah. 33%. Yeah. So, so like it would have been cooler if I had four and a half and I said, don't take it past three. That would have been like the that been sick. Yeah. That would have been like the epitome and be like, look at me. But like, I still remember making a tweet about like how heartbreaking it was. But I also mentioned like, there was truth to that. Like, I mean, th- that shows how fine it can be with these, these like shorter, you know, especially when it comes down to sometimes it's subjective, you know? Yeah. Like, like I, what if a what if a guy doesn't get the first down? And you're like, oh, was that a six yard run or a seven yard run? And sometimes I can make or break your prop. Yeah. And like and these books like want to cancel or like close the bet on like whatever whatever they can as soon as they can. 
So it it does make it a little bit more difficult. Which is what you mentioned there is that you mentioned um, how drastic it can change. And that's the other thing of NFL is it's awesome in terms of research purposes and mentally because it's only like a few days a week and it's not everyday sport like NBA and NFL, I mean uh, NBA. But it makes it interesting to try to bet because you can have lines circled on Monday and you're like, oh, I can't wait for this to get out. And then you could be busy for an hour and then somebody and else and someone else, like a big account. It could, I remember when I was working full time in the city, that, that happened a few times where a prop bet guy would get a line as it opened, tweet it out. And then I was like, oh, I hope I get this at six, six, six and a half. I remember there was a Tyler Lockett one. I really wanted it like 65 and a half or better. I think yeah. it opened at like 62 and a half, which is awesome. But I was with a client. And by the time I got down, I saw a tweet that from him. It was like Gone. 70. Yeah, it was like 70 at that point. And that's one of those mark. That's one of those like those markets or that's one of those things where no matter how much you love the prop, if you don't get it at that line, you just have to be an adult enough to say, well, I'm not playing it. Uh, like, yeah. I'm not going to try to force it at that line because there's just no value there. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be smart to know when to like, you know, you ever heard the song uh, by Kenny Rogers, uh, The Gambler? Yeah. Like, you got you to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Sometimes you got to know when to fold those cards. Like you got to know when to fold them and just move on. It's not I worth, can't. it's not worth, it's not worth playing. It's not worth playing it. So. I can't wait for producer Corey to use that as the outro on this. <laughs> so. Yeah, he should. That is actually, that's that. I play that song on vacation like 48 times to the point my family all hates it now. They probably think that you're an actual degenerate with that. No, it, it, it's not even because it's a gambling song. It's just like that. The refrain was stuck in my head all week. So I kept playing it. No, exactly. fair enough. I'm the fair one enough. with the, I'm, I'm the one with the speaker, so they, they had no choice. Zero loss out there. So with that, do you have any recommendations for us besides the gambler? <laughs> um, just terms of recommendations in general. Yeah, yeah, for pods and recs, you know. Yeah, so um, I was like I said, I was in uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, for vacation, and people always ask me why we go to Hobbit Beach. So we have friends that have lived and have a house down there for years, big family that stay there for free. We've been going there for 21 years. It is a very unknown. I don't think it's not a beach that people talk about a lot. Yeah. I um, like I generally know where it is, but yeah. So it's a Delaware Beach. Uh not many people go to Delaware beaches, I don't think, unless you, you know, you're in you're in PA. Uh Fair, but it has yeah. it, it is a fun boardwalk with the games, the fun land. It's fun for your friends. Like me and my friends have gone there before. I think it's a beach that is very underrated and I think there's a lot to do there and it has kind of gotten more popular over the last like five years where the traffic kind of sucks. Now it used to be like a hidden gem and it has gotten more popular, but overall I think it's a beach. I mean, like I said, we wouldn't go there 20 straight years if there wasn't something to it. So I think it's a good place to, you know, if you're doing a vacation and you only go to the say New Jersey beaches, um, I would say, you know, you could try Rehoboth beach, Delaware, which right by like Dewey, uh, you could take a take a ferry over to Ocean City, Maryland, and it's a good time. Yeah, dude. I think it's nice to kind of get away and like kind of unwind too. You get to be with your family. You get to kind of hang out with everybody. So it's definitely a nice way to kind of recharge, uh, especially during this time of the you know the season for us as like content creator people or whatever you want to call us. So um, that's I call the, it. I call us assholes. Well. Some the, yeah, like we're just we think that we're better. So, so something like that. Yeah. Um, my recommendation is going to be, um, you know, I, I think like when you go to the gym, this is tough. I've, I've, I've never, I have not gone to the gym in six years. So this is a little, 
Um, All right, so this is this is just aimed directly at you. Um, no, actually, I haven't, I haven't showered at the gym. We we both went to the gym at the same time today. I think. Yeah, I yeah, I haven't we did. showered yet. Yeah, I, I got to do that after this. So I'm gonna recommend showering, but then also um, I'm gonna recommend just leg day. You know, like I know it's the end of summer right now. Like you're probably gonna be putting putting pants on a little bit more often than you need to. But the thing is, you gotta you gotta make sure that you continue to do the legs throughout the off season, throughout pants season, because like come, you know, next May or April, when it's that first short season and like first, there's that like uncharacteristically warm day in like April or maybe even March and you break out shorts. And if you're like, number one, they're going to be pale as shit. And then number two, you know how much smaller they look when they're pale. So like, you got to be working on these, get that, get, get the calves in there at least. And I mean, the, now the thing is though, the shorts were getting shorter. Thank God. Cause short shorts is a redundancy. Shorts should just be yeah. mid thigh all the time. But now so it's, you know, it's, it's like, you say that. you're in yeah. a good spot. So yeah, it's funny you say that because I've always been the joke that I think you are aware of this, but I played rugby for eight years. I played yeah. a, a lot of rugby. So I used to say that, um, I played rugby for the excuse to wear rugby shorts where people couldn't judge me. Perfect. Yeah, you know, like because if if you wear short shorter shorts and you're just a regular guy, you're a weirdo. But if if you, if you wear a shirt that says like you know Mount Rugby, they're like, oh, that makes sense. Like he's just you know that's what he does. He's a cool yeah. guy. He's a cool dude. But <laughs> what a cool guy. <laughs> what a cool guy in those little shorts, that little thong he's wearing. Uh, yeah, and and my my uh. I think also, you know, I'm, a, I'm certified as well as a personal trainer. So I have a personal training background. And for anyone that is debating Joe's recommendation, uh, if you do work out your legs, it has better overall effects on your body. It will actually make your, it will help your upper body grow by working on your legs because the bigger muscle groups will carry over. So, that, so if you don't want to do legs, use it as an excuse to you know do it for your upper body exactly so it's really just a way to bench press while exactly. you're doing your legs so it's perfect. yeah the larger <laughs> muscle group will make you look better overall so yeah, it's something i do uh i have small calves i've actually torn my calf twice Jesus. and they don't they don't like me anymore so like i i've been to the doctor and i don't they don't grow as much anymore so my new thing is i'm a guy that you know pushes a little over 500 pounds on my squat. Not bad. And, and I look like a guy that is a 12 year old girl. So it's a, it's a fun little, you know, it's a fun little thing for me to go to the gym and people, you know, think I'm just a 12 year old girl. And then I can, and then you just out bench them and out swap yeah. them. So, yeah. you know, with that, everybody keep hitting the gym, keep hitting legs, make sure you get out on that beach in Delaware, have a nice little family vacation, stay flexing. Let's cash that. On a warm summer's evening On a train bound for nowhere I met up with a gambler We were both too tired to sleep So we took turns of staring Out the window at the darkness The boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces And knowing what the cards were by the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow
Then he bombed a cigarette and asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser And the best that you can hope for is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking, he turned back toward the window Crushed out his cigarette Faded off to sleep And somewhere in the darkness The gambler he broke even But in his final words I found an ace that I could keep You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough to count When the deal is done You got to know when to hold them When to hold Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the deal is done You got to know when to hold 